This podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Writing Project. OWP supports teachers from all over Ohio and celebrates the professionalism, expertise, and talent of our state's educators. Ohio Writing Project, teachers teaching teachers. Welcome to Right Answers. I am Noah Waspy, and I am joined by Beth Reimer. Beth, what is going on at OWP right now? Hey, Noah. Um, so many cool things. So we just had a digital, like virtual conversation connecting the OWP network with teachers from you know different areas of the state and joining together. And it was so cool. We got little round tables and we talked about, you know, the reading conversations that are going on. We talked about independent reading. We talked about being a teacher writer. And we just got to do the thing that we love to do as OWP teachers and talk to each other, but we didn't have to leave our house. Our pets joined us, we were in our pajamas. It was so cool. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Is there another one planned? Yes. Yeah, so we because everybody loved it, we do have another one planned. We don't know the date, but we're thinking February. And then we have other cool things planned where we're going to keep this idea of conversations going. We're going to watch um, some movies together, like Just Mercy and American Creed, and have those conversations. Oh, oh, and something really cool is going on. We are planning summer classes at the Writing Project. So because people um, are making summer are making summer plans i want to tell you the teaching of writing workshop date is that okay please do okay so the 41st annual teaching of writing workshop at the ohio writing project is going to be june 15th through july 10th and there's a face-to-face option in westchester ohio and there is a hybrid option so i'm just so excited about it because Every time we have that teaching and writing workshop in the summer, it's just an amazing kind of moment together. So put it on your calendars if you haven't done that, and join us, please. It is the most tra- everyone who everyone who joins it. It is will agree. It's the most transformative teaching writing experience you'll ever have. Yeah, and it's here's what I love about it. It's it's all because there's teachers in the room and we're listening to each other and we have time to write mm-hmm. and share our voices and share our practice and talk, which is something that you just don't have time for in you know the busy school year, right? So it really is amazing. And I would love for any listener to join us. That's exactly it. It's the gift of time to indulge yeah. in thinking and writing and thinking about writing. So it's you know it's the forty first anniversary coming up. Does that mean that OWP is over the hill? <laughs> oh, we're just starting. <laughs> That's what I figured. It seems pretty innovative for being a middle aged <laughs> program. That's right. It just means you're you know you have so much wisdom and for real. It's like the number of teacher leaders that are in the writing project that carry so many years of wisdom, and but we're just still our bones are still working right. So right. we, we can really keep doing so many innovative and new practices. So we're at a perfect age. Absolute, Completely agree. <laughs> so <laughs> what are you writing about right now? 
Uh, well, that's a really great question. Um, I have been writing a little bit, you know, with holidays coming up. I think one of the perfect things to give people are words. And because it really lets people know, right, how you feel. So a little bit of gift writing for people in my family for the holidays coming up. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I should, I should do that. That would save me so much money. Well, I mean, that might also be why I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also nice. That's right. What about you? What are you writing? <laughs> um, well, I, I, I'm, I'm always writing music and weird, working on weird musical projects. But right now... At school, I we just wrapped up a multi-genre project, um, and I was is for my project that I was using is like a teacher-created model. I was researching and writing about canine cognition and behavior. What an interesting world that is! I had no idea. <laughs> I have a feeling that we probably find out a lot about ourselves too when you're thinking about um, like pet behavior. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and that's a big part of it. it I won't I won't take up too much of the listener's time with this, but <laughs> a lot of the book is differentiating our behavior from pet behavior and <coughs> excuse me, which things we have in common, which th- where we diverge and how we don't want to project our behavior on pets because it's a different world. But anyway, um yeah, that's what I'm writing about right now. And I just got I back it. from NCTE, so I was writing a lot about my time uh, in Baltimore, and I wrote a lot about some of the more impactful sessions, just trying to unpack and process a lot of what happened. Um, I'm so excited about that, because that's what these uh, mini-episodes are about, right, for this podcast, right? That's exactly where it. Not all of us were able to attend NCTE, so you were able to capture a few really great um, parts of your presentation with the Movie Writers Group, right? So exactly. I'm just so excited. Yeah, uh, like a, about a year ago when we, when the call for, for proposals went out, um, Allison Marchetti and Rebecca Odell sent out a note to the Moving Writers team that they wanted to put together another Moving Writers presentation. And we, I know we always um, gear these episodes around questions, and they had a question that they wanted to gear our presentation around. What can secondary teachers do when it comes to writing workshop, especially when it comes to all the different kinds of issues that pop up or common excuses for not trying it that a lot of teachers will... I, I, I know that's a mean way of saying it. Let me say that differently. There are lots of reasons to be afraid to try something new, especially with something as open and, and handing over the reins type of situation as writing workshop is. And there's real struggles and roadblocks, right? Absolutely. There are real to... struggles. Right. And we have to problem solve around them. So that's one of the things I'm excited to hear about yeah. is the problem solving yeah it's a real myth that just because you're doing an evidence-based practice that everything's going to go perfectly right right so one so we just came up with six different areas where uh teachers can hit struggles or where teachers can be apprehensive about trying workshop and each of us just took a different area and each of these mini episodes is going to be a different teacher from the moving writers team sharing their thinking about a key issue and Beth, this time it's going to be a really great literacy con- consultant in Michigan. Her name is Megan Cortland, and she writes for Moving Writers. We all do. And she, her presentation is about setting up a workshop, not just the planning part of it, but also the actual classroom and carving it and how to set up the logistics of time. It's a really great 
presentation. It had lots of good reminders for me to hear and also a lot of new stuff that I got to hear and I'm going to get to use in my classroom after Thanksgiving break. So excited. I know. It's going to be great. So here we go. We're going to do the first of six episodes. You're going to hear, hear Allison Marchetti introduce the Moving Writers team. She's going to introduce the session and she's going to share our poem. So, Let's do it. So here we go. This is episode three of Right Answers. Hello. Good afternoon. Thank you for choosing this session. Um, I'm Allison Marchetti, and we are the teacher writers of Moving Writers, which is um, a, an online space dedicated to writing about the teaching and transforming and moving of um, middle and high school writers, um, and moving ourselves as writing teachers. We represent a variety of teaching contexts from AP and inclusion classrooms to classrooms full of experienced writers to classrooms filled with writers who don't yet see themselves as writers. Um, and we're here today to talk about workshop, which is an approach to teaching writing that has been incredibly life-giving for me, both personally and professionally. Um, and as a workshop teacher, I'm often met with questions about how I fit it all in. Um, how I plan for teaching and writing and conferring all in the same 45 minute period every day. How I find time and space where time and space don't exist. Um, yesterday I was introduced to a, a beautiful poem called Fire by the poet Judy Brown. And there's a line that says, a fire grows simply because the space is there with openings in which the flame that knows just how it wants to burn can find its way. And I think that workshop is that space, the space into which students who have stories to tell and truths to name can breathe into. I think workshop is the answer to our worries about where's the time, where's the space. So I'm going to first introduce Megan, who will begin by offering ways to organize your space so that it is as supportive and spacious and inviting for your student writers as possible. Hi, my name is Megan Cortland, and I am from Oakland County in Michigan. I just recently stepped full-time out of the classroom in this past year, and now I work for our county ISD, supporting teachers as a literacy consultant, going from school to school to school, um, getting into the classrooms with the students, but really working with the teachers on their practice as well. And when I'm working with teachers who have various workshop curriculum, uh, a lot of times the questions that they have are simply in picturing it and figuring out some of the logistics because when they're looking at the resources that are available, so many of the resources out there are geared towards elementary students. And so a lot of times some of those just logistics about what does this look like in my classroom? My classroom doesn't look like that classroom. My classroom doesn't have the same feel as that classroom. That is one of the biggest areas for questions. So I'd like to share some of what I see working. Some of these are practices that I've used with my classroom, but some of these are things that I notice going on well in other um, classrooms that I've worked with. None of these are the one right way to do it. They're just different ways of approaching it that I've seen work in secondary. 
So sure, can it work for secondary students? The first question that I always get is a little bit of resistance, like, but that's for elementary kids. That won't work with secondary kids, will it? And one of the big things that I come back to is, well, let's look at what the principles of workshop are. They're about choice and autonomy and the kids driving their instruction. They're about having lots of low stakes practice and then getting some opportunity for us to model and confer and give them feedback. Well, that's exactly what older students need too. And the research supports it, whether you're looking at the framework for post-secondary uh, writing success or disciplinary literacy research. This is what our secondary students need, but we need to focus on, so how do we make that work? We can't pretend that secondary students are exactly the same as younger kids. And when it comes to logistics, there's really a couple big differences that make a difference in the actual instruction. One is space. Uh, if you teach high school or middle school, you have usually a different style of desk, which is one of those things that you don't always think about when you think about making this work. Um, you also have bigger bodies, it seems obvious to say, but they take up more space. And often, based on the different contracts that are out there in different districts, you usually have more of them in your classroom at a time, too. Uh, and it's important to acknowledge and name that. Um, there's also that issue of time. A lot of times teachers will say, yeah, but elementary students, they're with their kids all day. They can do this. They have all day to teach reading and writing. And one thing that I'd like to knock with that is, first of all, there is a myth there. They don't only teach reading and writing all day, but they do often have two separate blocks where most secondary students, there may be some lucky ones, um, but many secondary students don't have both blocks. So the first thing is thinking through, okay, so what do we need to think about in terms of the space and making a different space work? Uh, a couple of the elements of workshop with space that can come into conflict are having charts, those anchor charts. One of the hallmarks of workshop time, if you're reading a curriculum lesson, is that mini lesson where the teacher gathers her students on the carpet. And that's one of the quickest things where high school teachers go, my kids won't do that. I can't do that. I don't have space. They will sometimes if you offer. Uh, but there are other ways around it. And then that conferring. How do I meet with my students to give them more personalized feedback? So in terms of the space with the charts, one of the big questions is, okay, so I teach six sessions of the same class. I know anchor charts are supposed to be worked uh, through with the students and generated with the students, but does that mean I have six different posters going up in my classroom? That's gonna clutter it like crazy. And one of the processes that I developed with my kids was, we're gonna draft this together. It's still so critically important that I generate it with them that it's coming from their noticings as we're gathering anchor charts. We draft it together on the whiteboard, something that's just messy, and then I'll lift up and actually get out my phone and take a picture and say like, I'm gonna take a picture because you know I teach this six more times this, uh, during the day, and we're gonna combine it and then we'll keep it up. And then I just make one based on that. And I liked that process a lot more than having one pre-made that they weren't involved in. And then you can share it, if you're using paper, that's how I did it. I was not a one-to-one -one school. If you're a one-to-one -one school, then you can save it digitally for them on their classroom. The other issue is carpet time. And I have occasionally, especially at my alt ed school when I was teaching, every once in a while we would gather around, come cap a squat, sit down carpet time. Um, but the other thing that I've seen work really well is flipping that. And the main reason behind getting kids together for carpet time is so that they see that mini lesson time as a unique time where they're uniquely focused. And just having those differences in space and so that it feels different can be just as important. So instead of gathering them around the carpet for the mini lesson and then sending them off, I've seen it work really well, especially this, these are pictures from one of the middle school teachers that I work with. Um, she'll do the mini lesson in their assigned seats 
But then once she's finished with the mini lesson, then let them go and they actually have little carpets that they can unroll and sit on or little stools or wherever they might like to go. For conferring, um, a lot of times elementary teachers have those little U-shaped desks that we just don't have in secondary. Being flexible is the biggest advice that I have for that and having a stool. And it seems like I even debated putting it. I was like, this seems too dumb to put in here. Like, should I say that you should have a stool? But I do think it's important because it allows, instead of bringing them up to my desk all the time, it allows me to go in with them. It can also help with that management. When you know that this kid over here is getting squirrely, but I have to meet with this kid, I'm going to sit down in between them in my little foldy stool. The other big question is, OK, but I don't have a reading block and a writing block. I get one hour with them. And I don't think that there's one right answer, first of all, because it is not a one-size-fits-all curriculum, but also because your district may have mandated curricula or pacing guides that you are following. So a couple different ways that I've seen work, I'm just going to take you through them. One is having unit blocks. If you have a curriculum where they say, like, all right, here's your reading unit, you have this text, you're going to work on it, you can still separate out, okay, so for these number of weeks we're doing a reading unit, this number of weeks I'm doing a writing unit, but as part of that day, let's say you have a 50-minute class, give 10 minutes to the opposite skill, where you're just engaging them in some low stakes, keeping it fresh, making sure that you're not going for 10 weeks or however long without ever touching a writer's notebook. You're giving them the opposite time. The other way that I've seen is chunking a unit. So if you have a more thematic unit, then give it a couple weeks at a time. So first start with reading. We're going to immerse ourselves, and we're really going to read like readers for the sake of comprehending, for the sake of understanding. Then we mesh in and start doing some overlapping. So I'm not just reading like a reader. I'm reading like a writer. We're still reading. We're still practicing that skill. But now we're also thinking about how it might apply, and we're starting to noodle in our writer's notebooks. And then you end with that writing focus where they're really mostly engaged in me modeling. They're going through their editing. They're really taking it through, and their main focus is writing. And then the other option that I've seen is just having a different daily flow where you're going to let it kind of ebb and flow. In a notebook or in a um, workshop class, the first chunk is usually given to the mini lesson, and there's usually a chunk of time, and that's the light color where I say choice, where they're practicing, where they're either engaged independently in their writer's notebook or they're working in groups. The teacher will give, okay, so let's say those first two days say are, those would be reading days. Our mini lesson is focused, it's a very reading specific skill focus. During your choice time, you can choose to apply the reading skill and work on your reading goal, or you also have the option to dig into your writer's notebook and you can flex that a little bit. But then your daily flows are going to change a little bit too. So it might not necessarily be a week at a time, a week at a time, but you give it that flexibility that everything doesn't have to go in a five-day chunk. And then I think the most important thing with this is to just find your fit. Play with it because there is not one size fits all to workshop. There is no one magical, like, if you do this, it will definitely work for you. You have to find what's going to work for you and your students. Portland has so many brilliant ideas about writing workshop, and you can find more of them at movingwriters.org. You can also follow her on Twitter, at Megan Cortland. To find the spelling of that Twitter handle, you can just go to this episode's description. Next time on Write Answers, we'll continue our Moving Writers mini-series with Mike Ziegler and Hattie McGuire, who will discuss carving out time to confer with students and working with AP students. 
I'm Noah Waspy, and on behalf of myself, Beth Reimer, and the entire Ohio Writing Project community, I want to thank you for tuning in to Write Answers.